1: Welcome to the Principal PLN podcast, hosted by Dr. Spike Cook, Jessica Johnson, and Teresa Stagger. Principal PLN is a weekly roundtable discussion about current topics in educational leadership. Be sure to follow our hosts on Twitter, at Dr. Spike Cook, at Principal J, and at Principal Stagger. There are many great ways to contact the PLN, Follow the hashtag PrincipalPLN or at PrincipalPLN on Twitter. You can also search and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. All links can be found online at PrincipalPLN.com. It's got a
2: roaster, a fryer, a fryer. I got a fryer.
1: Oh, we used to, my, my brother, my brother loves cooking our turkeys. And he, they bought a fryer once. I'm going to give you a huge, huge heads up. Number one, keep it very far away from your house. Uh, it said to put it on the kitchen counter. I would put it outside, if you can, or in the garage, just a heads up. And number two, do not make sure there are no ice crystals on that turkey. Okay. You're going to get burned. It's going to hurt.
2: Okay. Yeah, just a We're heads excited up. to make donuts the following day using it.
3: Ooh. Yeah, with the turkey juice?
2: I was just well, thinking. Well, like, no, I think we would change it out, Spike. Wow. Um, not okay. into
3: turkey donuts.
2: I bet you could make hey. some stuffing in
1: there, though, with the turkey juice. Bride stuffing. We might something, you guys. This might need to be on the podcast. It's on. We're live. Oh,
2: awesome. Uh-oh. But we're not recording, okay. right?
1: No, we are. We are. Oh, I can take it out if we need I... to, though. <laughs> <All> <laughs> that right. such
2: That's such a do. random conversation. I hit <laughs> the button
1: because we were starting, and then we talked about fryers, and then I thought it was important. We're good. We can take it out. We can edit. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're
3: good. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Principal PLN. We have no topic this week. So it is
2: ketchup, ketchup. and hodgepodge.
3: Yeah, ketchup. Um, the potpourri the, episode. The potpourri episode. So, you know, um, Jessica was just talking in the pre-show about she just got a new turkey fryer. I know you're all excited.
2: I am. You're going to send us all a I sample. The possibilities of what I can do with a fryer. If you tweet Jess,
1: um if you tweet her a uh, uh, the link to your address, she'll send you a sample.
3: But if, you uh, know what? I think we should start. I think anyone who's listening to this, please make sure to take a picture of yourself with your turkey fryer and hashtag <laughs> PLN. And Jessica will send you, I don't know, a, a tweet back, maybe with a little turkey uh, icon in it. Because she is so excited, and you can also give her recipes because she is excited about yeah, this. Don't know
1: what to do with the turkey and that, fire. Yeah. And all the new things that she can do after she yeah. uses it for the turkey. Yeah.
3: Do you know well, what Teresa? Do you know what I would do? I would make donuts the next day.
2: <laughs> yeah. The turkey do? Oh. We're just excited. No, my husband was watching. Commercial and is trying to give me the sell on why we should get a turkey fryer because we always do Thanksgiving at my house, and he's always wanted it in a fryer. I'm like, what the heck else would we use it for? And he's like, we can make donuts. <laughs> like,
3: I love that.
2: Okay. okay. You that can that make pizza like- rolls.
1: Deep fry. You can deep fry anything. You can deep fry Twinkies. Yeah. Those are amazing. Deep fry. Especially oh.
3: those of
1: you. Yes. Those it's- of
3: you who are out I- in like- the Midwest, they yeah. do. Yeah.
1: In Michigan, we deep fry everything, and there's it's like you can buy them at the at the ballparks. Like there's there's one specifically in Grand Rapids, Fifth Third Ballpark. It's like the, the like the double or triple A team for the Tigers, and they have deep fried they deep fry Snickers. So I've been working on getting healthier. <laughs> Not gonna help. <laughs> I don't know that anything you're gonna cook in your deep fryer okay, is okay. make you healthier.
3: <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, okay. you know what? I just saw on eBay there's a deep fried uh, iPhone six that I was thinking about <laughs> putting a bid on. <laughs>
2: oh my
3: god. Uh,
2: so what oh, uh, been up to.
3: So yeah, what have you been up to, Teresa?
1: Oh, drinking my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and um, she's got her cup too. Mine's I, I pulled it out today. Oh my, my God. Um, cool. Thanks to Chris Nessie for our awesome at Mr. Nessie on Twitter for our awesome logos. Um, I have been, uh, well, this last week, we spent two days cooking our Thanksgiving feast with our students. So on Wednesday, um, I was downstairs with four other volunteers, and we spent all day cooking 10 turkeys, 10 23-pound turkeys, um, and homemade stuffing, homemade sweet potatoes, made cranberry sauce, the kids made pumpkin squares. We brought all the kids down and they did different parts of the stuffing in the pumpkin squares. And then we were there till about 10 o'clock Wednesday night finishing everything up. And then on Thursday we served our entire school. Uh, we have like about 40 parent volunteers that come in and they and we all sit down together and the kindergarten and first grade make placemats. It's adorable. And um, we all have Thanksgiving together and then for I am now batting a 1,000 on this, two out of two, the health department inspector showed up for our yearly uh, health department inspection at the exact same time as the beginning of our Thanksgiving. Month. I
2: think that they're on to where to get good food. He doesn't eat it. Oh. See, you know what? Ours also notoriously shows up when there's something different going on and there's extra food in the kitchen that is not normally there and it shouldn't be there, but we need to put it somewhere. It always happens to us too. Yeah, he
1: he shows up and then the, the fridge is always running high because we have 10 warm turkeys in it. And, uh, you know, there's always, there are extra people in there, and it's just, it's a disaster. So, it, I mean, it ends up being fine. We pass the inspection. Everything's good. But it's just, it's an annoyance because then the people who are in the kitchen, we don't get to go out and see the kids enjoying it because we're babysitting the health inspector. So, yeah. and he's a very nice man, don't get me wrong, but he needs to find another time to come. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, that's what we've been doing. It was a great
2: week. What about you guys? Jess? Oh, man. Well, I have been sick for two weeks. That's why we didn't podcast last week. Um, I'm still sick, uh, which has been fun. Um, I think one, one major thing was has been working with my staff on rolling out um, the need for us to uh, directly teach academic vocabulary. Um, so that's something that we've been working on, um, using Marzano's Six Steps of teaching vocabulary, and we started out with a list of um, words for the Smarter Balanced Test, which sounds like test preppy, you know, test drill, whatever, but they're, they're good words. There's not a single word on there that you'd be like, my kids shouldn't know this. Um, so that's something we've been working on, but I have to share a cute little story. Um, I was going to do a formal observation in one of my reading interventionist rooms, and um, it, it, I don't get in those rooms very often because usually they're working with like one or two students and it's very intrusive to like come yeah. in. They like stop what they're doing. And every time I do, the kids get nervous and think that I'm watching them. Um, and so my teacher told one of the students, like, Mrs. Johnson is going to be here in a couple days to observe. She's just watching me. The next day, he came to school all dressed up, up in a cute little vest and everything for me to observe. And it was the wrong day. <laughs> it was so cute. It was so cute. So I had to go and find him and tell him how handsome he looked. And then the next day he tried to wear it again, but his mom said she wouldn't let him because it was dirty. But it was just super sweet that he was dressing up all fancy because of me. <laughs> there. You know what? Um, we did
1: just before when you were talking about the vocabulary, teaching common vocabulary, that's been a big thing in our school too. Ooh. We take the Iowa basic skills test for our um, – for our uh, standardized testing. And what we found last year was that all of our kids were really super low in certain areas because we weren't using the same vocabulary. And so our um, our, uh, assistant superintendent, associate superintendent, went through the tests and found all of the common vocabulary that they're using in certain, you know, for math. These are the words that we're using for, you know, product, for... um, Etc. 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 Well, and um, and so and so we were using those. We we gave those to the teachers and said, you know, this is what we need to be using the same thing because for like for example, my husband was was working with my my six year old first grader for math, and you know they're they're doing right now, um, you know how many in all, how many do they have total, and he had said to her they were doing subtraction, and. He said, um, "You know, if you have five and you take two away, how many do you have in all?" And she looked at him like he had eight heads because (laughs) he was using the the addition, you know, the words that they use for the addition product with a subtraction problem. And so it was like it, it, but it's. I mean, it's a huge issue. You know, it's something that I don't think a lot of us are thinking about. That's a lot of the reason the kids are struggling is because we're using different...
2: Well, and so one area that we're really noticing it is in reading. And we use, um, to track students' progress, we use the MAP, um, NWE MAP test, which is a computerized, you know, norm-reference test. Yep. And we also use Fontas and Pinnell Benchmark, which the teacher does one-on-one with a student. And we're, you know, we're being baffled by how high kids were on the Benchmark, with that one-on-one test, but then they would perform so much lower on the map test and we also notice the pattern of how many times a kid will raise their hand on the map test and go, what does that word mean? So what we're thinking is that when they, when they do the Fontas and Pinnell, they get to answer in their own vocabulary of what the comprehension is of the story, so their vocabulary does not hinder them telling here's what I know about this story, but on the map test when it has a word that they don't know like, they get stuck on, right. I don't know what that word means, and then they can't even get to the answer choices. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's why we're adding the focus. Good thinking. Good thinking. Mike, welcome back.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that the last um, probably three minutes. We
1: were just talking about you right, sometimes. You said we were. It's fine. Right. You missed the entire, like, the bulk of the podcast. You missed right. all of the most amazing things that we were talking about. You'll never catch <laughs> back up. But, you know, hey, welcome back.
3: You know what was funny is that it sound, you both sounded like pianos. Every time you talked, on my, on my end, it sounded like a piano playing. Like,
2: well, I can sing for you if you want, but my voice is <laughs> kind of scratchy.
3: So I just jumped out, and I jumped back in, and I heard you talking about uh, Fontesa Pinel and map testing. <gasps> oh, and Things not being correlated, it sounds like.
2: Oh, good. Yeah. It, it worked, Jess. It worked. It worked. Good, good. Hey, just another funny, just to let you know how I function as a principal. So I had fifth graders that were fighting over a football dispute on the way in from recess. And my rule is like, when recess is done, we're done discussing the issues that happen at recess. And they kept going and going. I go, you, this is your last chance. I'm gonna sing "Let It Go," and you can hear my voice right now and know that I'm not gonna sound good. And they kept doing it, and I just belted out "Let It Go" in the hallway with the scratchy voice and, like, you know, having to blow my nose. It was pretty bad. And they're like, "Okay, stop, stop, we'll stop." Oh my gosh! Just well That's done. Awesome. My new level of discipline. <laughs> All right, Spike. Spike, what are you up you to? You have been a busy man. Yeah, no doubt. Catch the rest of our listeners up, please, because we've been enjoying listening to what you've been up to.
3: Oh, uh, it's been fun. Um, yesterday, I went to Ed Camp, New Jersey. I was so upset that Teresa couldn't be there. There was a lot of people asking about you, though, oh, Teresa.
1: Oh, that's so nice. I was so pumped.
3: Yeah, so... They, uh, they all sent their well wishes. Oh, uh, thank you. It was great. I got a chance to see a few people there. Tony Sinanis was there and uh, Brad Curry and, um, you know, b- a bunch of um, NJ Ed folks. And uh, it was good. It was, it was really good. Um, learned a lot about uh, makerspaces. They had a makerspace fair. And I went in there first. And I just kind of was like – I was hanging with um, – Glenn Robbins and um, Steve Santilli who are both uh, administrators in South Jersey uh, who are on Twitter and uh, part of our principal PLN. So we went in there. It was fun. We just kind of like we're making things and I was taking pictures of them. So it And the whole part of the – what I learned about the makerspace is, is that you don't need a lot of money. I mean everything that – was put out there was all just dollar store stuff you know nine volt batteries Christmas lights and candy and a, a bunch of other things and it was really really cool so um, then we had we had a couple sessions uh, Brad Steve and I ran a session on um, create your own reality you know you you create your own reality with professional learning so of course we talked about you know Twitter and voxer and podcasting and blogging and things like that. So it was really good. And, um, and then last week I went to parent camp, which was put on by Gwen, uh, Pescator, who is out of uh, Pennsylvania and she's a very active parent on Twitter, uh, coordinates a PT chat mm-hmm. and, um, she just did an amazing job putting together uh, parent camp, and that was my first experience attending one of those. And I want to start one because it was it was really cool. So I facilitated a discussion on mindset there, and uh, it was really cool talking with parents about growth versus fixed mindset. And one of the things that came up, and I wanted to to you know talk with you all about this, is that. Um, you know, students who are identified as gifted and talented in elementary school. So I used to see this as a middle school guidance counselor. They really struggle sometimes um, later on, like either it's in middle school or sometimes yes. even in high school, because <laughs> that whole fixed mindset. Whether people have fixed mindsets about them or they have one about themselves, like they're really talented and gifted in, say, math. And that comes very easy to them, and they don't want to work hard on anything. So we, I had a few parents that came up afterwards. We had these great conversations about, um, you know, basically how they know right now that their child has a fixed mindset because they just want to do whatever comes easy to them.
1: You know what, Spike? I'm I'm going to jump in on that. When we don't we don't label gifted and talented anymore in the state of Michigan. They just don't. Um, when I was in when I was in elementary school, I was I was in the Gifted and Talented program. And they, they, I mean, it was really cool because they would allow us to, um, for instance, I was really good in math. So during my reading time, I could tutor, like, kids a grade lower in math. And I was allowed to take a Spanish class. And we took, like, a, like a it wasn't computers, it was a um, calculator class, I think, and we learned how to program... TI 85 calculators or 82s or whatever they were but that is probably one of the worst things that I did because it does it does kind of glorify what you're good at and the kids who—it's true, especially—it it happens especially for girls. And I did a lot of research on this when I was in um, in college. It happens a lot with the girls who are good in science and math in elementary school, because mm-hmm. then they get into middle school and they hit this block, and they just—they stop trying and they don't like it because now not only is it not easy, but it's hard. Right. And it was something that they were good at before. That now is a struggle, so they just move away from it, and that is a lot of why people think now that there aren't a lot of girls and women in math and science fields because of this, this gifted intent. And you know, it's things too. Like they, it, this is this is this topic hits home. So I'm glad that you that you grabbed it. But it's yeah. like they'll say a lot of things like, um, when you're talking to a child and you're talking to a boy. And he does something really good and you're like, oh, way to go, like, great job. You're so um you're so awesome or something like that. But with the girls, people are like, oh, you're so smart.
3: Oh, right. you're
1: so smart. And it's just something that that we do. You know, oh, what a smart girl. How how you know great that you thought of that. And so we we unconsciously feed it into them, which is not bad. But we're not trying to raise a generation of kids who are smart. We're trying to raise a generation of kids who can figure
2: things out. Mm-hmm. And, and gifted kids, typically, like things come easy to them, and so when it starts getting hard, they don't know how to work it's hard. Shut down. Right. They shut, shut down. down. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know the research. There's a, a high rate of dropouts that were gifted
1: kids. Yeah. They never had to worry yeah. about studying. They never had to learn how. And so then I, I struggled so badly in college because I didn't know how to study.
3: Right. Yeah, we talked about this and in fact it, it was interesting because Gwen was telling me yesterday that the conversation in this session, you know, just continued on because the new principal was there, Joe Mazza used to be the principal, and there's a new principal there, and she was there just, you know, kind of learning about parent camp and Landed in my session, and then it hit home about not as a principal, but as a parent. And uh, so they have a lot of good, good discussions going on. And I just got the information from you know from reading uh, mindset, and I'm was okay. just kind of toying around the, with the idea because I'm going to present it at EduCon as a as a conversation oh, and a yeah. discussion. So what what it hit me like a ton of bricks though, even as I was talking about it, because as a middle school guidance counselor, I. I don't. I can't tell you how many parents and students I met with wh- that were in that same thing that you just t- described, where they were they, they just they they were awesome in elementary school. They were gifted. They were you know scoring off the charts, and then small little things like homework, classwork, things that uh, a typical middle school would start to um, require of them. They really struggled with. And the one thing that you said. Uh, in some of the research that I was doing for this really struck a chord as well Teresa because what we end up doing is we praise the outcome instead of the process. Mm-hmm. So and I had just done a blog about that because I didn't even realize it you know by saying to someone you're so smart at math you're just praising the outcome you're not praising the the hard work and effort and determination that goes in. And the other thing that I thought was interesting one of the parents who who didn't realize it but now she kind of came to this revelation that she's been fighting the growth and fixed mindset in her child and it's all through the violin the kid is brilliant in math kid you know excels in math. And she's tried the violin, and she hated it, and she wanted to give up. And the mother wouldn't let her give up. And I was like, symbolically, what you're saying to her, it's not really about the violin. Right. It's about doing something and knowing that you're going to have to, you know, have hard work and determination to be good at it. And, I'm, you know, and a couple of the other parents were like, yeah, i, I got to stop letting my kids quit things that don't come easy to them.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's that whole, um, it's that whole, the push of, of making them work for something and understand that not everything is going to come easy. And that's okay. You know, that was part of, I had some conversations with parents about the genius hour that we're doing at school because we've, we've um, implemented it for the whole school in on a, um, our Spanish, we couldn't find a Spanish teacher and so we said, you know, this is we'll, this will be the perfect way to do it. So we have a teacher who's running it and every class has it for 40 minutes a week. So, yeah, it's great. And they're doing what the teacher's doing is she's having them do a different project every so often. So it's like they're they're trying to break it into, like, 10-week segments for the quarters. But if it runs over, it runs over. If it's under, it's under. And the parents were like, well, how are you grading that? You know, just, just to understand how it's going to be assessed. And I said, they're doing a journal every week. You know, they're writing down what they found and where they go next. She's got a journal set up for them. I said, if they're working on it every week, they're writing what they're finding, and they're going to present at the end on what they did. I said, and and to be totally honest, we're hoping that most of them fail,
3: mm-hmm.
1: because it's there's more of a lesson in failing something like that, that they can find the way around it and find why it failed, so that maybe for their next marking period... They try something else that, you know, this didn't work, but this might. That's kind of what we're looking for. I said, and as long as they're working, we're doing okay. You know, it's really about the process. And I think we've raised a generation of kids, myself included, of people who don't, who don't know how to, I don't want to say work hard, because I work very hard. But right. I do tend to find things that are easier for me, because I don't like to be frustrated. Now, I also like to be challenged, so I find things that challenge me, and I work hard on them, but there's a there's a fine line between being challenged and feeling stupid, and I don't like to feel stupid, and I think that comes from always being told that you're so smart and that you know you're getting all A's and blah, 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 and when you hit something that makes you feel dumb, it's like, nope, I don't want it.
2: So one way, I, I've been struggling with trying to figure out how to get this information to parents because, you know, my teachers are all familiar with it. Some of my teachers have really taken it and, like, really added mindset into their classroom. Awesome. Um, and we've, we've had a couple of students that had struggled for years, and when the teacher had that discussion of that, it was like the switch for them, and they started making progress that we had never seen. And this was in fifth grade last year. Um, I'm wanting to write, like, a series of just short articles, and I send home a newsletter to parents every month, um, and I'm wanting to just start sharing it with parents in that way. Have either of you written letters for parents on Mindset, or does that exist out there already for principals?
1: I haven't seen it, but if you do, I would love to use it. (laughs)
3: Okay. <laughs> I mean, you could check out. I I'll send you the link to the uh, praise the process, not or yeah, praise the process, not the outcome. Okay. Um, and I found a couple of things. You know, what like I said when I was doing the research for this, so I can send that to you. And I think. I think you're right. I think if teachers are having this discussion, that's awesome because teachers need to be modeling that. You know that failure piece. Uh, Teresa is so important, and also, like you said, Jess, if if the teachers can kind of get ahead of this, because 10 years ago people weren't talking about that you know, what, right. what the fixed mindset is, then we could help another generation to to understand what it is about hard work. Um, you know, our third grade teachers, and I think genius, I'm not saying genius hour is the, the end-all be-all, but I, I think it's really helped in providing that opportunity for all kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, for instance, like our third graders, uh, our third grade teachers are doing a genius hour themselves, which I think is important for teachers to do, and then also in their classes. And I went in the other day and I saw this flyer and it said, you know, because their whole theme is space, and they said, you know, Houston, Houston, we have a problem. We had oh,
2: to I abort. saw that. That was
3: cool. Yeah, we had to abort mission. We failed, um, but we're not going to give up. And basically they were asking the parents for more um, newspapers and tape and stuff like that. And uh, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, so I blogged about it. And uh, one of the parents took that flyer to the local newspaper, showed them that the newspaper was ecstatic about it, and gave them like stacks and stacks of newspapers. So we have plenty of newspapers now. But the whole thing that I followed up with the two teachers on I was like that was so awesome because that's what you have to model that, you know, that we're going to fail at this. And it wasn't like a grade or anything like that. It was just about. Oh, it didn't work, now what are we okay. going to do to yep. it?
1: How to fix it. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break. Well, we're going to end this segment here. And uh, if you're watching live, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, then we'll come back and we'll start. Uh, but this,
2: this is the end of a podcast. This is the end of a I podcast. Right. <laughs> Principal PLN out.
1: Thanks for sharing in the learning with us today. Remember to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and continue the conversation by joining the Boxer Group. Links can be found at principalpln.com.
0: There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet Tier 1 standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE.